You're listening to The Voyager in association with Turkish Airlines on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to The Voyager here on Monocle 24. Monocle's travel show spotlighting outposts of opportunity for business, pleasure and inspiration all around the world. I'm Steve Bloomfield. In this episode, we head to Addis Ababa, where your host is Zoe Flood. It's hard to imagine starting a radio piece with silence. But dawn is rising, and I am watching it from a particularly peaceful viewpoint. Mountain Toto is the tallest peak looking down on Ethiopia's high altitude and fast-growing capital. It's where Emperor Menelik II and Empress Taitu built their palace in the late 19th century, from which they founded the city, and it is considered sacred by many. As the day brightens, the noises rise too. The sound of the churches in the valley, cocks crowing, the wind moving through the eucalyptus. Ethiopia is one of the world's fastest-growing economies and is Africa's second most populous country. It's attracting investors from across the world, including from China, India and Saudi Arabia, and aims to reach middle-income status by 2025. Detractors say that underneath the glittering success story is a largely state-controlled economy and an authoritarian regime that does not tolerate criticism. But with diaspora returns, treasured geopolitical relationships and substantial ambitions, Addis is definitely a capital on the move. We're heading back down the hill as the city starts its day. I'm with Almayu. He's working to train as a lawyer, but drives a Soviet-era blue and white Lada, a staple of the taxi business here, around Addis. After that early start, I really need a coffee. Ethiopia, considered the birthplace of coffee, is the continent's top producer. It also accounts for over half of the country's forex earnings. Traditionally, coffee is served as part of an elaborate ceremony that sees the whole roasting and brewing process performed in front of guests. The ceremony is not for anyone in a hurry, but is considered a mark of friendship and hospitality. We're stopping at a street-side cafe in the area behind Lagarde, the city's historical railway station, for the first cup of the day. So Yashma Bet is explaining how she starts the day by roasting the fresh coffee beans over a charcoal fire. Because she gets quite a few customers, she actually grinds the beans using an electric grinder which she shares with her neighbour from the next door store. Then when the customers arrive here she starts to boil the coffee again on the charcoal fire in a traditional pot called a jabena which has a long neck and spout. When the coffee is ready it's served in small ceramic cups with a generous helping of sugar. Thank you. Mm. I'm now off to sample more modern-day coffee habits in Addis Ababa, where the city's residents often buy their beans pre-roasted. I'm entering the original branch of Tomoka, 
the capital's oldest commercial coffee company. The family-run firm was founded in the 1950s, but is growing faster than ever. I'm joining Wondwasan Meshesha, COO of Tomoka, in this Italian-style coffee shop, where customers sip espressos, standing up at several bar counters. Tomoka has a very rich history. Uh, it's a family company founded in 1953. Started off as uh, the first commercial coffee roasting company uh, with the name of uh, value-adding Ethiopian coffee for both uh, domestic uh, usage and also international exports. The company uh, right now, up to now, expanded into not just coffee roasting but also coffee, the serving industry where it operates also its own coffee shops. When Tomoka started uh, serving coffee in its first coffee shop located on, in Piazza, started serving coffee for free, where people would come in, taste one cup of espresso or macchiato, which were a very type of new drink for, for the country, even though we had coffee for a long time. And right now, in any part of the city, you find coffee shops, you know, in a, in a span of really 10 meters and people really enjoy coffee, macchiatos, cappuccinos, all those uh, drinks really uh, we brought from Italy but we really fusioned it to a really Ethiopian way of making it. You grew up here, how have you seen the city change? Uh, Addis uh, became really exploded uh, even in terms of size. Uh, it's really easy for someone to get lost, even for a local right now, uh, in any part of the city. And it's really hard to really describe uh, the, the growth of Addis, uh, but I can say it's really transformed. And I cannot wait to see it in five to ten years, where a lot of you know, infrastructures that are now going on in the city finish up, you know, where green areas are really green. I'm back in the larger again with El Mayu to take a look at some of that growth in action. El Mayu, what's that massive complex over there? That complex is the African Union new building. It's built by the Chinese government. Addis prides itself as being the diplomatic heart of Africa, hosting the African Union as well as its predecessor, the Organization of African Unity. The new $200 million headquarters building, paid for by the Chinese government, was completed in 2012 and is currently one of the city's tallest buildings. But while the new headquarters looms over the Addis skyline, elsewhere half-finished high-rises clog the horizon. Why do you think so many buildings are unfinished here? You know, most, most uh, is they took credits from the bank and after that they can't be, you know, finish on time schedule. They have something problems with credit system. But one construction project that has recently been completed to great fanfare is Addis Ababa's new light rail transit system. It is the first light rail to be built in sub-Saharan Africa, although South Africa does have some commuter rail services. Funded in large part by a Chinese loan and completed over several years with imported engineering support, the new light rail will carry up to 60,000 passengers per hour when fully operational. My name is Geza Chobatru. I'm the CEO of the Ethiopia Railways Corporation. The light rail is one of our projects. For the city of something like three million in a population, you have to have a mass transport that should take you know, the workers from the inner city to the suburban 
in environment. Addis Ababa is around four million, three and a half million population. Uh, so we don't have mass transport. This literally makes Addis Ababa a kind of a dysfunctional city. The light rail has two lights. Uh, it has about 38, I think, stations. It's 34 kilometers, 17 on each line. Now, currently we're running 41 light rail vehicles. It's run using ele electricity from the main grid. We don't share the electricity with the Addis Ababa city. Uh, we have trained more than 254 uh, young train drivers. We call them train masters, etc. It's run now by in a combination of uh, the Xinjiang Metro and uh, China Railway Corporation as a management contractors. So to test it out, I'm going to take the light rail from Riche Station up to Stadium, which is at the heart of the city. Got my ticket, which costs two burr. That's about 10 cents. This also seems like an opportunity to run you through Monocle's top five things to do in Addis Ababa. One, visit the National Museum to see the skeleton of the three million year old fossilized hominid Lucy, the most ancient early human ever found. Two, go up the Entoto Hills looking over the city and visit Menlik II's residence, as well as the Entoto Mariam church. Three, journey through Addis's history by way of its many statues and monuments, from imperial black lions to the Never Again Memorial commemorating those killed under the socialist-inspired Derg military regime. Four, go shopping for traditional Ethiopian cloth and attire in the Shiromeda area of the city. Five, explore an Asmari Bet, intimate venues where traditional poet musicians perform close up to the crowd. Pack your bags, get ready for takeoff, and let Turkish Airlines take you on a journey to more than 270 destinations in over 100 countries around the world, including Addis Ababa. Turkish flies there daily. With a fleet of more than 285 state-of-the-art aircraft, no destination is too far. Turkish Airlines, widen your world. Stadium. We've arrived at Stadium. Doors will open on the right. Pay attention to your safety in getting off. I've arrived. Safely, smoothly and cheaply. And I'm now off to meet an entrepreneur who is building a boutique manufacturing business. The government is keen for Ethiopia to become a manufacturing powerhouse. China's shoemaking giant Huajian has built a factory in the country. But so far, the sector accounts for just a minor part of the economy. Abai Schultz is working on a smaller scale to bring high-end Ethiopian craftsmanship to an international stage. We're going into the, our workshop. Uh, we have right here a traditional handloom where we uh, produce the part that we uh, integrate with the leather, the tillet that we call it in Amharic. Right now she's making the scarf 
which are, uh, we call it infinity scarf, we combine with leather and uh, cow horn. So it has a very distinct look uh, that people really like. Uh, so this is part of our new collection, actually. My name is Abai Schulz, and I am the founder and creative director of ZAF. ZAF is a collection of handcrafted leather accessories and handbags, uh, all produced by Ethiopian artisans. I was born in Ethiopia, actually, uh, and I was raised in a Catholic orphanage until I was 11, until I was adopted by an American family uh, from Texas. I think being adopted at that age of 11, I had a certain amount of at uh, attachment to the country. So I always had the desire to like eventually come back to Ethiopia and somehow kind of you know, contribute to something. Why do you feel that Ethiopia has this potential to become a manufacturing hub? both in terms of mass production and boutique items? Well, we are the second largest population in Africa. So, uh, you know, labor is quite cheap and we have the raw material. So uh, really, you just have to invest in the people. People are willing to work if you, uh, if you offer it. And so I think that combination of these distinct advantages could really create Ethiopia's next hub for uh, a manufacturing uh, destination. Ethiopia's 10% growth rates may currently be the focus of attention, but the country has long occupied popular imagination, not only as the cradle of mankind, but also as the home of one of the few pre-colonial churches in sub-Saharan Africa. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church dates from the early 4th century and is the country's dominant religion. The Holy Trinity Cathedral, our next stop, is the church's most sacred site in Addis Ababa. My name is Dorje Salis, the tour operator and the guide in the Holy Trinity Cathedral Museum. When was this site consecrated and why is it so important to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church? This cathedral is a center for the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. It is historical and a religious center for the Ethiopian Church. Uh, it established in 1931 by Emperor Haile Selassie and it finished in 1944 and uh, dedicated for the memory of patriots who sacrificed their life for the liberation of Ethiopia between 1936 to 1941, occupation of Italy in Ethiopia. I'd love to spend longer wandering the beautiful surroundings of the cathedral, but the sun is beginning to set and I'm getting hungry. No visit to Addis Ababa would be complete without a chance to sample Ethiopia's delicious and distinctive cuisine. And to do so, I'm taking you to one of the city's best restaurants. So this is one of several branches of the Katenya restaurant. It's very busy tonight, packed with residents of the city, gathered around sharing platters. It's got a really beautiful interior, it's very spacious, and the service is really excellent. I'm gonna go into the kitchen now to speak to the head chef. My name is Chef Makwab Zode. I'm working for the Katanya restaurant and I'm also the consultant. And uh, I'm guiding them, I'll give them all the recipes. We said there is space. So we have a lot of customers. We have three branches for currently. And so one of the key items in any, any Ethiopian meal is injera. Yeah. Could you describe what that is to someone who's never eaten it before? Yeah, injera is a gluten-free cereals. Uh, grains. The texture is very soft and with a diameter of uh, 50 centimeter 
and uh, it, for this, those who don't know this injera, but a little bit, a little bit soury when you taste it the first time, but when you adapt it, it will be nice for you. It's getting late now, and after that very filling meal, it might be tempting to go home. But Addis Ababa is famous for its live music, and it would be a shame to miss out on a performance. Perhaps best known for the Ethio jazz movement of the 1960s and 1970s, which is still going strong today, Addis venues also play host to artists mixing traditional, Western, and experimental forms. The night may be drawing to a close, but I'm hungry for more. Fortunately, in this busy, multi-layered and changing city, there is so much still to explore. I hope that you have the chance to do so too. For Monocle, in Addis Ababa, I'm Zoe Flood. And that's all for this episode of The Voyager. Next time we'll be heading to Kuala Lumpur. I hope you can join us then. I'm Steve Bloomfield. Until we board the Voyager again, happy travels. Happy travels.